Jesus House in pursuit of God, discovering purpose, maximizing potential, impacting lives. This message is being brought to you from Jesus House London. God bless you. approach God must believe both that he exists I mean otherwise who are you approaching and that he cares enough to respond to those who seek him not only must I believe that he is but I've got to believe that he cares enough about me to respond to me when I seek him Michelle McKinney Hammond is the best-selling author of over 40 books selling over 2 million copies worldwide she's an international speaker a vocalist, relationship expert, and lifestyle coach. A former Emmy Award-winning co-host of the talk show, Aspiring Women. She's an accomplished singer-songwriter with seven CDs to her credit. She's a visionary and pastor of Relevance, a unique music ministry based in Ghana. Please welcome to Pursuit of God 2020, Michelle McKinney-Hammond. Hello, I'm so glad that I get to be with you today talking about one of my favorite topics, the intimate life. Life with God in an intimate, personal, close-up way. But before I share with you what God has placed on my heart, I'd love to continue in an attitude of worship. Draw me close to you Never let me go I'd lay it all down again To hear you say that I'm your friend You are my desire No one else will do Cause nothing else can take your place To feel the warmth of your embrace Help me find a way Bring me back to you Never let me go. I lay it all down again. Lay it all 
desire. No one else will do. Cause nothing else can take your place. To feel the warmth of your embrace. Help me find a way. Bring me back. Bring me back to you. desire that we know that you are near. You're near to our hearts. You're near to the issues that concern us. You alone, you alone, you alone are our light, our breath. You're the air we breathe. You are our sustenance, our provision, our all in all, and in your presence, at your right hand, our pleasures evermore. Father, we're grateful. We're grateful that you chose to love us, that you chose to choose us, that you love us with an everlasting and passionate love. Enlarge our hearts to love you in the same way. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, you know, one day Jesus made an appointment to meet a certain woman in a certain area of town that most people didn't want to venture to, but he did because he had seen her before the beginning of time and knew what was in her. And as they talked about a lot of different things, and she finally got over thinking that he may have been flirting with her and was just another man in her life, she realized who he was as he revealed himself to her, and she asked him the question, how do we get to God, was basically her question. And Jesus at that point in time in John chapter 4, about verse 21, said, you know, you Samaritans worship the Father neither here at this mountain, you'll, that you will never, you will worship the Father neither here at this mountain, nor there in Jerusalem. He says, it's not going to matter where you worship. It's not going to matter what you're called and who you are. That's kind of timely for right now, isn't it? It doesn't matter 
where we are. Right now, we're reaching out to you virtually, but I am sure, I am convinced that you sense the presence of God in your room right where you are. God is bigger than the box that most of humanity wants to put him in. He's bigger than the walls of the church. He is bigger than even our imagination of who he is. And so here in the text, Jesus is telling her that it doesn't matter where you worship. What really matters is the fact that you are honestly yourself before God in your worship. He said, those who worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth for God is spirit. Now, why do I bring up this story when we're talking about intimacy with God? Because I feel that if anybody was looking for intimacy, it was this woman. Six men later, she was still thirsty. So her thirst could not be quenched by humanity. Her thirst could not be quenched by material possessions or acquisitions or even achievements in life. Her thirst ran deeper. It ran to a place where it searched for living water, living water that would spring up again and again and refresh her within and without. You see, when we talk about true intimacy, What it does is it reveals everything that the things that we have around us um, fail to do for us, fail to, to fulfill us. They fail to fill that space inside. What we truly need, what our spirit is truly longing after is intimacy with God. Now, you know, the wonderful thing about that exchange at the well was I learned a few things about intimacy. You know, the intimate exchange between this woman and Jesus were mutual. Yeah. She exposed herself to him. She said, I have no husband, which was an article of shame at the time. It was the thing that drove her to the well at high noon in the first place to avoid the eyes and the whisperings of those in the village around her. She said, I have no husband. But he also exposed himself to her by saying, I am he that you've been looking for. I love that, don't you? You know, God is so aware of who we are. Are we as aware of who he is? In Psalm 139, verse three to four, it says, you are so intimately aware of me, Lord. You read my heart like an open book and you know all the words I'm about to speak before I even start a sentence. How deep is that? That someone can anticipate your language, that they can read the language of your tears, that they can hear and overhear the thoughts in your heart before you ever utter them. That's how intimate God's knowledge of us is. And he wants us to have that same intimate knowledge of who he is. It goes, the psalmist went on to say, you know every step I take before my journey even begins. Well, I want to share with you a little bit about the characteristics and benefits of intimacy with God, because I think we think, well, well why is that needed? If I'm showing up and I'm, I'm being a good little boy or good little girl, a grown man, grown woman, I'm going through all the motions, I'm doing all the right things. Why is intimacy with God so important? And 
God tells us in Revelations, he says, I'd rather you be hot or cold or I'll spit you out. You know, when you're in love, you're hot. And when you're disinterested, you're cold. Um, And when you're just there for the provision that's being given by your mate, you're lukewarm. But he says, I want you to return to your first love. I want you to remember the height from which you've fallen and go back and do the things you did before after you repent of straying away like you have. Yes, we can become indifferent to God. You know, um, familiarity breeds contempt. But God's mercies are new every morning. There's something new to discover about God every morning that should refresh our love for him over and over and over again. So it's important. God is calling us back. He's calling us back to our first love, him We love him because he first loved us. You see, now the first thing I want you to know is that true intimacy is mutual. The more we come clean with God, the more of himself he reveals to us. First John 4 says we have come into an intimate experience with God's love and we trust in the love he has for us. God is love. Those who are living in love are living in God and God lives through them. And so there's this intimate experience that we have with him. When we share and exchange our heart, he shares himself with us and unfolds even more and more of himself to us. The next thing I want to share is that true intimacy is transformational. Oh, yes, you should be changed when you come into contact with God. No one's flesh can glory in the presence of God. You've got to walk away changed. Look at the time that Moses spent all that time with God up in the mountain. When he came back down, his countenance was so filled with the glory of God that he had to wear a veil over himself because people couldn't even bear to look at him. His countenance was so brilliant. True intimacy is transformational. It causes me to think of Genesis chapter 5 verses 21 where it says that Enoch walked with God and was not for God took him. Now you know when I read that it it struck me you know he lived 365 years. That is a hundred years for every day of the year which I believe is in the word on purpose. What God is saying is that Every single day of the year, we need to be walking with him in deep intimacy. We need to be embracing him um, as if it's the first day. Uh, Young's literal translation says something in Proverbs about uh, when a man is loving the wife of his youth, that he should love her as a lover who loves still. We should love God as a lover who loves still. The Amplified version of this verse tells us that he walked in habitual fellowship with God. Another translation says in constant touch with God, in close fellowship with God. And because of this, he heard the voice of God. He prophesied to the nations about the coming of Christ. And he was the father of the oldest living man on the face of the earth, Methuselah. Methuselah lived 900 and something. I think it was 969 years. But what it speaks to is the lasting imprint and lasting impression that he left on the face 
face of the earth because of his closeness, because of his intimacy with God. The word tells us in Jude that he pleased God. It is recorded that he was the seventh descendant from Adam. Now we know that seven is a number of perfection. And so it was the completion of a cycle of things that were going on on the face of the earth, the ups and downs of relationship with God that the men before him had had, but he was the seventh descendant and he was so pleasing to God that God literally translated him from the earth. He literally walked into heaven from earth. I think the conversation that day must have gotten so juicy that God said, Enoch, you just need to come on up here. We need to finish having this talk. But I want to bring something else up here. It says Enoch walked with God and was not for God took him. I believe that Enoch was not before God took him. Because as I said, when we come into contact with God, we are transformed by his presence. We are transformed by our intimacy with him. You know, the first thing that God had in mind was that we look like him. He said, come, let us make man in our image. And his mind never changed on that mandate from that first conversation in the heavenlies. He has been looking after his people to become transformed into his image. The, all throughout the New Testament, it talks about being transformed into the image of Christ. Well, who does Christ look like? He looks like the Father. And so he's still calling us to be transformed to the point where we begin to literally look like him in the earth realm, becoming ambassadors for him that make Jesus attractive to all, um, encouraging others to want to come to this kingdom that we've come from. You see, Enoch walked with God. And he was not, for God took him. Are you allowing God to take you? Are you allowing God to transform you as you spend time in his presence? Are, are certain things beginning to fall off in the light of his glory, in the light of his purity, in the light of his holiness as you converse with him and, and exchange with him and he shares his heart with you? A change should be taking place. You should be hearing secrets from God that change the conviction of your heart that affect your very character and deepen your integrity. Yes, intimacy is transformational. True intimacy also births faith that leads to obedience, that leads to blessing. Look at Abraham. Abraham had deep conversations with God and he trusted him and was so intimately involved with God that God could tell him to move and not give him the address and he still be willing to go. Can you imagine him going home and telling Sarah, hey, Sarah, you know, um, we're going to move. Uh, where are we going? Oh, I don't know. God said we know when we got there. Really? <laughs> we have to be in control of every detail. We have to know where we're going. We operate by GPS. We punch in an address and we're off following the directions. But here's Abraham so intimately involved with God that God could say, go, I'm going to show you a land. And he say, okay. That kind of faith is amazing. It says in James that Abraham was made right with God by works when he when he placed Isaac on the altar. Another thing, being so intimate with God that when God asked him to sacrifice his son, he had enough faith to believe that God would provide the proper sacrifice. He willingly laid Isaac out knowing 
that God would not allow him to kill his son. Huh. You know, that kind of faith is, is, is an expression of love and trust. You see, you can't have that kind of faith unless you trust the person. And you can't trust someone on that level unless you love them. And, and you've got to uh, know them in order to love them. So there was an intimacy there. They were friends. They, they, they talked. They walked together. And they were intimate. Since that Abraham believed God and was set right with God. It was a mesh of believing and acting that got Abraham the name God's friend. Don't you want to be called God's friend? That intimacy breeds that type of deep abiding trust and love between God and man, man and God, where you are called a friend of God. Well, true intimacy also births courage. Do you know that? Daniel 11.32 says, the people that know their God will be strong and do exploits. Hallelujah. There's a, a courage that rises up in you when you know that you are intimately connected to God and he will never leave you or forsake you. You don't have to fear because he's got your back. You know his promises concerning you. You know his keeping power. David was intimately close to God. He knew him on a whole other level. He spent so much time in the wilderness. He says, I killed the bear. I killed the lion. By the time he got to Goliath, it meant nothing to him because he knew that God had helped him slay mighty foes on his own. And this uncircumcised Philistine would be no match for his God. He said, who is this person that dares to defy the living God. When you've got intimacy with God, you see the bigness of God. You see the power of God. You see the glory of God. And it gives you courage. It gives you strength. In fearsome circumstances, you can stand firm knowing that your God is with you and he's got your back. True intimacy births perseverance in the face of testing. I have always been so impressed with Joseph. Whatever his father instilled in him as a child carried him from the pit to Potiphar's house, to the prison, and finally to the right hand of Pharaoh. He weathered storms. There were times when he would have been justified in giving up, wondering why God allowed these things to happen to him. But he clung to God. He clung to God when he was lied on. He clung to God when he was sold into slavery. He clung to God when it looked like he was on the precipice of finally getting free from bondage and they forgot about him and left him in jail for two more years. Something inside of him said, I will cling to my God. He is faithful. Though he slay me, yet will I praise him. That is intimacy. You know, I know that a lot of you know somebody that was in love with somebody who was horrible. And you wanted to know why wouldn't they leave that person? But because of the intimacy they had shared with that person, the bond was so tight that they couldn't even leave in the face of abuse. Well, God doesn't abuse us, but sometimes in the midst of situations that are rocking our world and, and seem like, why would God allow this? It is intimacy that keeps us standing. It's intimacy that keeps us trusting. It is intimacy that causes us to persevere. 
The next thing that intimacy does is it leads to oneness. Jesus prayed for us in the garden, the most beautiful prayer. It's one of my favorite prayers actually found in John 17. And he said, Holy Father, I am no longer in the world. I am coming to you, but my followers are still in the world. So keep them safe by the power of the name that you have given me, that they will be one with each other just as you and I are one. You see, true intimacy with God is a unifier in the body. Have you ever been someplace in a strange place and and you run into somebody and you start talking and you find out they know the Lord too? Instantly, you're best friends, right? It's like, oh, wow, you know Jesus. I know Jesus too. Oh, then, hey, we're all right with one another. Intimacy just breeds oneness. Oneness in the body, oneness with God, oneness with Christ, and even oneness with ourselves. It pulls us into alignment, the understanding of who we are and why we were created. Uh, Ephesians says that it's only in Christ that we know who we are and what we are living for. And so our eye becomes singular when we walk in the knowledge of who we are in him and our closeness to him, not just who we are, but whose we are. Finally, true intimacy leads us to obedience. You see, to know God is to love him. To love him is to trust him. Trust ultimately should lead us to obedience. The Bible says in John 15, 14 in the Passion Translation, which is what I've been reading out of the whole time. I just love it because it is so filled with love. He says, you show that you are my intimate friends when you obey all that I command you to do. Who just displeases a dear friend or someone that they love on purpose. It just doesn't happen. When we're intimate with someone, we want to be pleasing to them. We want to please them. We want to do things that put a smile on their face. And so every act that we do from our giving to our living should be focused on pleasing the one that we love, who we're intimately involved with, Jesus Christ, our Abba Father God, the Holy Spirit, we are intimately involved and intertwined with them, and it should bring about obedience in our hearts. First John chapter 3, 6 says, but the one who continues sinning hasn't seen God, hasn't seen him with discernment or known him by intimate experience intimate experience. You see, when we really know him and we've seen him move in our lives, I'm a witness. I have been in London now for months. Someone else who does not know God intimately might have felt abandoned or disappointed. Why can't I get home? But for me, in my intimate experience with God, it developed such a deep gratitude in my heart for where I was, where God placed me during this time, what he's working in me and through me during this time, the things that he's revealing about himself to me in this time. I have drawn closer and more intimate with God during my sojourn in London. He has shown himself to me as a loving, generous, provisional, faithful God in times of fear and concern and deep distress. And so when we have an intimate experience with God, it changes who we are. It changes our impulses. It changes our desires. It causes us to come into complete alignment with the Father and do only what pleases the Father. 
It says that when we love, when the love of God is perfected within one who obeys God, we can be sure that we've truly come to live in intimacy with God. Let me say that one more time. John, first John chapter two, verse five of the, of the uh, passion translation says, but the love of God will be perfected within the one who obeys God's word. We can be sure that we've truly come to live in intimacy with God. Oh, you see, when you get to the place that you're so intimate with him, that what he thinks about and what he cares about become your first desire, you have experienced true intimacy with God. That is the thing that struck me about Joseph when Mrs. Potiphar was trying to get him to sin with her. The first thing he said was, how can I do this thing against God? God was the first person he thought of. He didn't think about Mr. Potiphar. He didn't think about the consequences. He didn't think about any of that. The first thing he thought about was, how would God feel about me doing this? That is deep. In the circumstance he was in, where he could have felt uh, abandoned by God, the first person he thought about pleasing was God. What type of intimate relationship did Joseph have with God? Deep and intimate enough for him to be able to interpret dreams and win the favor of Pharaoh and rise up in promotion in the land of Egypt and save a nation. Oh, the things we can accomplish when we become intimate with God. What has God called you to? Can you realize it without intimacy with God? I think not. You're going to need him to give you faith. You're going to need him to give you perseverance. You're going to need him to even give you the will to obey the things he tells you to do that might not be what you have in mind. But because you're intimate with him, you trust his instruction and you carry them out. Well, you say, okay, Michelle, that, that, that all sounds really good, but how? How do I get to that place of intimacy with God? Well, first, you need to learn about the person. You need to know God. He is the word, so start with his word. He is the living word, and he lives out everything that is written in his word. He is not a man that he should lie. And so when Jesus became the living word here on earth, he literally walked out everything that was written in the scriptures. Matthew eleven twenty nine tells us, simply join your life with mine. Learn my ways and you'll discover that I'm gentle, humble, easy to please. You will find refreshment and rest in me. Proverbs 33 says, I've yet to learn the wisdom that comes from the full and intimate knowledge of you, O Holy One. You see, when we get to know him, we fall deeper in love, deeper and deeper and deeper in love with him. And that love is the thing that builds our trust and our confidence in who he is. And then time, time begins to just uh, unveil who he is. Spending time in his presence I love the story of Martha and Mary. Martha's running all over the place because Jesus is at the house and she wants everything to be right. But Mary's just sitting and just soaking up every word he says. Luke 10, uh, 39 in the Passion Translation says that Mary sat down attentively before the master, absorbing every revelation he shared. Are you spending time in his presence? Not just talking at him. Yes, there's a place for 
prayer where you pour out your needs and supplications with thanksgiving to God. But then there's a place where you embrace the silence and allow him to begin to communicate with you through his word, through the Holy Spirit, ministering to your spirit, allowing him to speak into your life, speak secrets into your life, speak uh, strategies and keys for how he wants you to move through life, even just speaking to you and telling you how much he loves you, how much he treasures you, how much you are the apple of his eye. Yes, spending time to the place where you're saturated with the sweetness of God, with sweetness of his visitation. In those times, I just sit and weep. I don't know about you if you've ever experienced that, where his presence just becomes so all-consuming and so overwhelming. You literally feel him wrap his arms around you and just speak comfort over your life. And in those moments, there's nothing to say. There's nothing to say but to bask in his presence and enjoy it. And perhaps weep, weep tears of joy because he loves you so much that he draws close closer than close to you, making you feel treasured. And then, of course, conversation. Conversation with God is important. He wants to talk with us. He wants to have a dialogue, not hear a monologue. (laughs) Let me say that again. He wants to have a dialogue, not hear a monologue. John 15, 15 says, I've never called you servants because a master doesn't confide in his servants and servants don't always understand what the master is doing. But I call you my most intimate friends for I reveal to you everything that I've heard from my father. Wow. How deep is that? That the God of the universe, the creator of the universe, the Lord of Lords, the King of Kings wants to tell you secrets, wants to share intimate information with you. That's the type of conversation he wants to have. Now, I believe that conversation is different from fellowship. I don't know about you, but do you have like a good friend and you just sit and you all don't even talk? You're just so cool with one another. You just sit and just chill. You can watch television or you can just sit in a room and put your feet up. And it's just the comfort of their presence. That's fellowship. True fellowship. You know, that kind of fellowship leads to favor and answered prayer. Do you know that? He says, if you abide in me, I mean, that's just like living in his presence, just being saturated with it. I mean, sinking into who he is and and sinking into him surrounding you. He says, if you abide in me, I mean, stay a while, visit, just, just, you know, but make it like all the time, 24-7. I don't know about you, but I'm a happy sanguine. And um, I might not have like a designated prayer time every day, but I have a nonstop conversation. I'm in constant fellowship with God. I'm always thinking about a facet of his word. What did he mean when he said this? What is he talking about when he says that? I'm always asking questions in my spirit all day long, or I'm in worship. I hear songs all the time. Sometimes I feel like I'm walking in a musical or something because I constantly hear worship songs going through my spirit. I am abiding. I'm abiding in him and his words are abiding in me. He says, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask what you will and it will be done unto you. Now we don't really get into that scripture a lot. Basically, I believe that what he is saying there is when we're abiding in him and he's abiding in us, it changes our desires. 
So that when we do ask him for something, it is in perfect alignment with his will. And therefore, he's free to give it to us. If we pray in the will of the Father, he will answer our prayers. When we delight ourselves in him, I believe that that would be the parallel scripture to this. When we delight ourselves in him, right, um, he will give us the desires of our heart. You see, our delight changes our desires. We begin to love what he loves and hate what he hates. And so when we delight in him, when we abide in him, our desires are pulled into alignment with God's very heart, with his heartbeat. And he is then free to answer our prayers. He says, stay joined to me and let my teachings become a part of you. And then you can pray for whatever you want and your prayer will be answered. Another translation says, but if you live your life in me and my words live in your hearts, you can ask for whatever you like and it will come true for you. When you're joined with me and I with you, the relationship intimate and organic, the harvest is sure to be abundant, the message translation says. But if you make yourselves at home with me and my words are at home in you, you can be sure You can be sure, you can be sure that whatever you ask will be listened to and acted upon. I love that. Will be listened to and acted upon. I will have the ear of God as I abide in him and he abides in me. I love it. Ah, That just came over me. That is such a strong, strong statement. If we're close, you'll only ask me for what I agree with and I'll be free to give it to you right away. You know, there's a saying uh, my old pastor in, in L.A. used to say to me, if you are wrong and the situation is wrong, God says no. If you are right and the situation is wrong, God says slow. If you are wrong and the situation is right, God says grow. And when you are right, And the situation is right. God says, go. Now, you see, all of these things, the the fellowship, the conversation, the spending time, the studying the word lead to us knowing God, knowing God intimately, yadaing him. Um, In the Greek, the word for know is yada. And that yada means in an intimate way. Amen. Um, Ephesians 3, 18 through 19 says, Then you will be empowered to discover what every holy one experiences. That's us. The great magnitude of the astonishing love of Christ in all of its dimensions. How deeply intimate and far reaching is his love. How enduring and inclusive it is. Endless love beyond measurement that transcends our understanding. This extravagant love pours into you until you are filled to overflowing with the fullness of God. That is being known by him as well as knowing him. In Genesis, it says that Adam knew Eve and she conceived. When we know God, when we yada him, we also conceive. We conceive of the fruit of the spirit 
which is the very characteristics and personality of God. And we bear the attributes of Christ to the world. That is the fruit of the spirit that we ultimately manifest to everyone around us. That is the fruit that we know. So you see, there is a reward for intimacy. Do you know that? Beyond having that sense of assurance, that sense of courage and faith and perseverance, there is a true reward that we all seek, and that is joy. Psalm 8410 says, For just one day of intimacy with you is like a thousand days of joy rolled into one. How much do we long for joy? We call it happiness a lot, but happiness is external. The joy that God is talking about is internal. It is that river of living water that will keep rising up and meeting every situation. The joy of the Lord will be your strength. Now that joy is his joy, his pleasure in you because we are abiding in him. And when he, when we abide in him, his joy is complete in us and it becomes a strengthening agent inside of us. Oh my goodness. For just one day of intimacy with you is like a thousand days of joy rolled into one. I think that woman at the well was looking for joy. She was looking for fulfillment. She was looking for true intimacy and yet not finding it. Six men later, she was still thirsty. And now Jesus was the seventh man. And when they had an intimate conversation, she dropped her water jar and ran back into town to share the good news of what she had discovered in him. She dropped the very thing that she went there that she thought she needed from an intimate exchange with Jesus. What are you holding on to that you think that you need? Draw closer to the Lord and see if you can drop that thing. Are you looking for joy? Are you thirsty for a deeper life, for more meaning, fulfillment, provision, security? Well, this has been a time when we've not been allowed to be in church. All the religious scales are falling off and we've been called back into true relationship with him. I believe that we're in a new place as the church, rising up in a more intimate way with God that is ultimately going to make us more powerful. Uh, You know, some pastors, not the pastor of this house, had made people dependent on them. And the intimacy had shifted from God to the pastor. And God is saying, "Mm -mm, I'm not allowing anything to share my glory. Come closer to me. Now I will come into your house. I am not bound by four walls. I am not bound by a specific location. I want to come to your home. Look, I stand at the door and knock. And if you hear my voice, open the door. I will come in and share a meal together with you as intimate friends. God is after your heart. He wants more of you. I remembered watching a Uh, a soap opera the other day. And the woman thought that uh, her boyfriend was going to break up with her because he had said he wanted to talk to her and, and she didn't see her worth. And so she was anticipating him breaking up with her. So they went to dinner and they were sitting down and she said, okay, go ahead. I know you want to break up with me. He said, no, I want more of you. And I believe that that's what God is saying to each of us. I want more of you. Put away the religious toys. Draw yourself back into true relationship with me. Matthew eleven twenty eight 28 says, are you tired? 
worn out, burned out on religion, come to me, get away with me, and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep intimate company with me, and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. God is calling. He's saying, when you draw close to me, I'll draw close to you. I want us to have a rich and intimate exchange. I want to renovate your heart. I want to renew your mind. I want to transform your life. But all the things that you desire and all the things that you're searching for are found in me. That's why my name is I Am. I am whatever it is you're looking for. I am whatever you're thirsty for. I am whatever you hunger for. I am whatever you long for. Come. Come closer than close. Allow me in and let me show you the rivers of love and the rhythms of my grace. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Oh, we give you praise. We give you glory. We give you honor. You truly are the lover of our soul. Father, as we draw close to you, draw close to us. Reveal your heart to us in a new way. Take us deeper in you. Enlarge that space of intimacy. Enlarge that place of intimate love and mercy and grace. Teach us more and more about you. Let us hear your heartbeat, like John laid his head on the chest of Jesus and heard his heartbeat, draw us so close that we hear your heartbeat. We long for that intimate exchange. Fill us with yourself right here, right now, in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. God bless you. Enjoy your relationship with God. 